First Peter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There aren't any commandments in the first 12 verses of this book. There aren't any directions. There aren't any instructions for what we're supposed to do. There is only the goal to tell us what we're supposed to delight in. What Peter is doing here is not exhorting, he's exalting. We saw that last week in verse 3 when he begins this paragraph, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's worshiping as he begins. He's modeling for us what you do when you feel the value, the infinite value of the God and the salvation of these verses here, especially verses 3 through Five. And so God is at the center. We saw last week in verses three and four, God has great mercy. God calls us to be born again. God gives us a living hope. God raised Jesus from the dead. God gave an indestructible inheritance. God is keeping that inheritance. And then we stopped at verse four. And the reason we stopped at verse four is because I wanted to give a whole sermon to verse five. It deserves a whole sermon. You might believe the whole great truth of verses 3 and 4 and worry about one crucial thing that wasn't made explicit there. You might believe that God is merciful. You might believe that God caused you to be born again. You might believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You might believe that God prepared and is keeping out there in the future somewhere an inheritance and wonder whether you are going to make it from new birth to the inheritance. Does God do anything about that? You know, we can affirm with all our might, He chose me, His Son died for me, He raised Jesus from the dead to open the door of eternity, He caused me to be born again, He leaped over me, And he prepared an inheritance out there in the future. Did he just then stand back to say, I wonder if they'll make it. From new birth to inheritance. And Peter, of course, is not about to leave that question unanswered or implicit. And therefore, he says in verse five that those who are born again in verse three are protected are now being protected, would be a faithful translation, by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There's his answer. His answer is a resounding no. God does not leave us to make it on our own from new birth to the inheritance. He moves in by his divine power to protect us 
through life for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter's goal here is very clear that he wants every believer in this room to experience this morning a profound sense of security. That's what this text is saying. He wants you to experience and exult in a profound sense of security. That God didn't just do something in the past and isn't just going to do something in the future. He's doing something right now to protect you by divine, omnipotent power through faith so that you make it to the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, here's the image I want you to get in your mind this morning. We'll start and work on this a little bit. I told one of the children that I saw on the way in, this sermon is tailor-made for drawing. So... Uh, if you want to draw it, kids, that's no problem. You can draw it. And then if you want to show me the drawing after the service, I'd be delighted. In fact, I use them in the second service if you give them to me. The image is a chain. Chain. Links like this. Big chain. Your salvation is a chain that extends back into eternity past and forward into Eternity, future, and it is an unbreakable chain. Wherever you look on this chain, what you see is God at work forging unbreakable, divinely sustained links of iron. God's the chain maker. And it's our salvation. If you look all the way back. As far back as you can see on this chain, and you can't see the beginning of it, but as far back as you can see, the last thing you can see way back there is the link of election. Verse 1 and 2. Elect sojourners or aliens. The elected rejected. Remember? So if you look back, there's God electing. If you turn around and look the other direction into the future, as far as you can see on the chain, and you can't see the end of it, but the last thing you see is links of inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, never tarnishing, never rusting, going on forever and ever and ever, securing a great future for God's people. Or if you turn around and look back, say, 2,000 years, at the fullness of time, you see this massive link forged at Calvary where Christ came and died for sinners. And then you see another link, the resurrection of Jesus, where all of heaven and eternity was opened for us. Or if you come forward on that past part of the chain and maybe, depending on who you are, look back a week, a year, 20 years, 41 years, 70 years, one of those links is a beautiful powerful, unbreakable link called new birth. God did that. We saw that last week. That was the point of the sermon. God caused us to be born again. He made that link in the chain. And then, if you look now at the chain of salvation being forged in your life, what do you see? Now, here the image can be very wrong. When you look down between new birth and inheritance, what does the chain look like? Okay, now before you draw anything, I'm going to tell you two 
two images that I hope you do not have in your mind. When you think about the chain between new birth and inheritance, number one, this is one I don't want you to have in your mind, and I'll try to show you in a minute why. One wrong image would be of the Christian chain in hand, leading into past, leading into the past, the chain of salvation, firmly gripped, walking along a great chasm, a chasm that you must cross in order to obtain the inheritance on the other side where the chain of inheritance is. And walking along this chasm, you are working to forge the links of faithfulness in your life to God with the help of the Holy Spirit, not infallible, omnipotent help. And you hope that you will be able, through a lifetime of faithfulness, to forge enough links, strong enough to somehow get over there where this chain is hanging down from the inheritance and link it up and make it across this chasm into heaven. In other words, the image I hope you don't have in your mind is an image which leaves the believer insecure concerning whether or not there's going to be enough links, whether they're going to be strong enough, and whether you're going to be able to get across that chasm and link up to the chain on the other side. That's an image I hope you do not have in your mind when you pose the question, what's the chain look like between my new birth and my inheritance? Here's another one I hope you don't have in your mind. That one errs in one direction. This one errs in another direction. A believer standing on the edge of this chasm here, chain in hand, striving to be faithful to the Lord and make links of faithfulness, which will cross and connect But this time, there's a safety belt, like the uh, construction workers wore on those beams about two years ago this time. They had ropes around their belts tied somewhere, and they were up there working on everything. So you got a safety belt as you walk along this, so that if you decide you'll drop the chain of salvation, you'll stop working on the links of faithfulness, and just fall into the pit of sin and unbelief, you're going to swing low over to the other side and be safe on the sweet chariot of the safety belt. That's another image I hope you don't have in your mind. The one image errs on the side of no security, and the other image errs on the side of false security. Okay, so don't bother drawing those unless you've already drawn them. Put big X through there. No way. (laughs) Now, what's the image that you do have? I wish we could all take time to share our images. This would be great, great pedagogy if I could get you involved at this point, if this were discussion. Let me tell you what verse 5 shows to me. See, verse 5 has a very different image than both of those, I believe. Verse 5 says, We are now being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, what's the image there? Okay, here's mine. 
In this chasm, you can't see the bottom of this chasm. It's a terrifying chasm. It's an abyss that goes down forever and ever and ever, as far as you can see, of sin and unbelief. And God is standing in the chasm. You don't know where his feet are, but he's there. And he's very big and he's very strong. He's coming up. The chain that leads into eternity past is under his right arm, like this. The chain that leads into eternity future is under his left arm, like this. They're not connected yet. The end of the chain that leads into eternity future is just kind of hanging over his forearm as he holds it, like this. And the end of this chain that leads into eternity past, the chain of your emerging life is in his hands, like this. And he is forging links of faithfulness. The difference between that and the others is there's no safety belt in this image. There is no safety belt around you. If your life is connected to your inheritance, it will be connected with the links of God-forged faithfulness, or not at all. There's no safety belt if you decide to throw the chain down, to fall into the pit of unbelief and faithlessness, you will not swing to the other side. You will perish. Our security does not lie in removing the criteria of getting to the other side. It lies in the fact that God Almighty holds the chain and God Almighty forges the links. That's what's here in verse 5. Let's do a reality check on the image. On Read verse 5 again. We are being protected, not past or future, but now right here in this service. This sermon is part of God's protecting work in your life. We are now being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, let's unpack that just a little bit. What do you see in that verse? Number one, here's what I see. There is a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Don't misunderstand. We have been saved. But our salvation is not complete. There is glory. There is grace yet to be experienced. It is out there ready to be revealed. Number two. There is danger on the way to this salvation in heaven. And therefore, we need ongoing protection after our conversion. Our security does not mean home free with no battle. And it doesn't mean you don't have to win the battle. You must win the battle. Our security doesn't mean no battle and no victory necessary. Our security means God fights the battle and will win it. That's what our security lies in. If you have any security at all this morning... 
that's real, it is not by looking back at a past experience. It's by looking up at a sovereign God who has the chain of your past, the chain of your future in his hands, and is infallibly forging links of faithfulness in your life that will one day connect up with heaven and never, ever let you down. You look to God for security, not to past experiences, not to parents, not to church membership, not to anything like that. Number three, our protection comes from God. Or more specifically, the verse says the power of God. We are being protected by the power of God. Connect this with verse three now. Last Sunday's message. Last Sunday, I stressed that you were born again by God. God caused you to be born again. Verse three. And I stressed, if you heard it, that what that means is God moved sovereignly on your dead soul once upon a time, wakened it to life. And the first cry of the baby after he came out of the womb was faith. Faith doesn't make you born again. You don't exist before you're born again. Spiritually. You are born again by the living and abiding word of God. Chapter one, verse 23, through God's sovereign work and you have faith created in you. Now compare that to verse five. What God has created, he now sustains. God brings us safely to heaven through faith. Verse or point number four. God uses faith. Let's read it again. We are protected by the power of God through faith. Now, I want you to think with me carefully about this, very carefully. Put on your thinking caps for five minutes. What is it that at the bottom line is the only thing that can keep you from getting across that chasm? Which is another way of asking the question, what must God protect us from if we are to make it across? Death won't keep us from salvation, so we don't need protection from death. Gateway to heaven. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Suffering doesn't keep you from salvation. Next week, we're going to see that suffering refines your faith and fits you for salvation. So you don't need protection from suffering in order to get there. We do need protection from Satan. Chapter five, verse eight, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we do need protection from Overpowering temptation, chapter 2, verse 11, the lust that wage war against our soul and threaten to destroy them. But ask this question, what is it behind Satan and behind temptation or anything else at the bottom line that could keep you from getting across? What's the one thing that keeps you from getting across the chasm to heaven? And I think the answer is, Unbelief, not trusting God, not, as Paul says in Galatians 2.20, living by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. 
If God does not undertake to protect us from unbelief, we will perish. Now, that provides my interpretation of the phrase through faith in verse 5. If I had not asked you that question and gotten that answer, you might have answered what this means by saying, oh, I see. I believe, and then God, through my belief, does his part to protect me from for a salvation. And it won't work. It won't work. Because if you've got faith, if you can do that much, you're home. You're home. You did it. You got yourself home. Faith is the issue. If you don't make it, it's because you don't believe. If you make it, it's because you believe. So what's there for God to do? Sustain your faith. That's what through faith means. He is protecting us by divine power through sustaining your faith. If he doesn't sustain my faith when I get up in the morning, I don't believe. God is the only power that can hold my faith in being. There is no security belt off the chain of salvation. God is forging the links of faith day in and day out, which is why verse 5 is so important. Now, let me close with a story from Peter's life where he learned this lesson firsthand. Remember this? I'm taking this from Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. It's the night in which Peter, the one who wrote this letter, betrayed Jesus. He betrayed him. He said, I never knew you. I don't know you. And here's what Jesus does to get Peter ready to fail in that regard and then come back again. He looks at Peter in the garden and says, Peter... Satan has demanded permission to have you that he might sift you like wheat. What does that mean? I think it means something like Job. It said, Satan has demanded to take you and push you through the sieve and see if he can strain the faith out of your life. And if he can do that, you're a goner. You're a goner. And then here's the next thing. Here's verse 32. But Peter, I, Jesus, have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And after you have turned, strengthen your brothers. (laughs) You talk about sovereignty. Talking in the garden. You hear what he's saying? Who is Jesus praying to? Tell me. Come on. God. Not Satan. Not Peter. Not the other disciples. And what was he asking God to do? To keep Peter from not believing. The only reason Peter wept bitter tears and ran out and fell on his face and repented is because Almighty 
God moved in, in answer to Jesus' prayer. Relevant parents, brothers, sisters, those who are born again are being kept by the power of Almighty God through the sustaining of our faith in, beneath, and after our failures, yes. I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not, and after you have collapsed in sin, you're coming back. I will do it with my Father, and you will be a rock. And you will write a letter and they will preach it 2,000 years from now. And your brothers and sisters will be strengthened by your being sustained by your God in heaven. And so I close by reasserting that the chain of salvation is unbreakable. Even when it is not yet fastened, it is under the arms of God Almighty. He will complete it and put it together He has created our faith and he will sustain our faith. And therefore, you are this morning in his hands gloriously secure.